to Executive Perspective, Behind the Business. In this podcast, we bring you insights and perspectives from government leaders and executives around the Beltway and beyond. Welcome to Executive Perspective. This is Doug Russell. I'm your host today. Today, we sit down with Bill Wooten. He's the founder and president of C3 Integrated Solutions. C3 is a provider of Microsoft government cloud solutions, including Office 365 GCC, GCC High, and Azure Gov, and specializes in helping clients achieve CMMC and NIST 800-171 compliance by providing MSP security and Office 365 integration services. Thanks, Bill, for being here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Can you maybe kind of hit on a couple of things we want to cover today, which is these magical alphabetical words of yeah. CMMC we're here in the marketplace. But I want to kind of maybe start off with our audience to give a little bit of an idea of kind of your background as it relates before you came to C3, it looks like you started in 2008. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then maybe your role now and some of the things that you're doing in the current marketplace. We started C3 Integrated Solutions about 12 years mm-hmm. ago, initially kind of as part of a telecom agency doing a lot of work in that space. And then around 2011, we saw what was starting to happen with the cloud and take shape with it. And we started early in with Office 365, starting really with the month it was launched. We got into the Office 365 business and been supporting clients through that ever since. Excellent. You mentioned Office 365. I have to say something given today's environment, that workplace solutions that are done from this encouragement of telework with this uh, COVID-19 going on. Mm -hmm. Are you guys seeing anything change in your organization or increased use of applications as it relates to like Microsoft Teams? It's such a powerful platform to be able to do telework, to be able to work remotely. Most of our clients use it very heavily already. So their transition from a workplace environment to more of a telework environment, if they haven't already done a lot of that, they've got the tools already in place to be able to take advantage of that. Excellent. Well, we're fans of, we use it here at Washington Zec. It's a great platform. One of the things I brought you in here today to talk about really is the CMMC. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping you can kind of give us a breakdown of what is it, yeah. why is it important, and it's relevant in the news. There's things that came out January 31st. If you could maybe give a broad brush overview for the yeah. audience and why people need to be paying attention to this and then what dates and that sort of things that are, are critical. Sure, absolutely. So CMMC is the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. And this is a new program that's being rolled out by the Department of Defense for any and every defense contractor. No matter who you are, if you have a contract or a subcontract with the DOD, you will be affected by CMMC at some point. The idea behind this is to instill a minimum level of cybersecurity for Everyone who does any business with the DOD, there's multiple layers depending on what amount of business and what type of data you hold from the government, but everyone will be impacted by it. Why is the DOD doing this? What's the impetus for this thing driving this more compliance? So anyone who's listening to CMMC has heard the talking point that we lose over $60 billion a year in cyber theft as a nation. And a large part of that comes out of our government and and by association by the contractors. So sophisticated cyber hackers, nation states are not just targeting the government, they're targeting the individual contractors because that's the weak link. Most contractors don't have their cybersecurity up to a sufficient level. They become easy targets and we lose a tremendous amount of intellectual property, technological advantage, frankly, warfighting advantage through the loss of data. 
you have any kind of samples or examples you can share of people out there that are thinking, well, this is not going to get to me. It's not going to affect me. Do you have anything that you're able to share? There's a bunch of things. A lot of things have made it to the public press. There was a, a story last, I guess it was about a year ago in June, uh, the program I believe was called Sea Dragon, and it was in the Washington Post. You can look it up where a small contractor up in the Connecticut area had a data breach. They didn't realize they were breached. They lost about 600 gig of data. None of it was classified. No individual file was a critical piece of data, but compiled together that amount of data when you add it up together apparently was a very significant loss of our undersea warfighting capability. And that's kind of been the poster child of what happens and probably happens much more often than we hear about. So I think it's the uh, the not knowing and then also the loss, that I think, that people, unintended loss that you may get yeah. from things like that worry about. So based on that kind of story on that, what sort of actions do people need to take now, contractors that are out there that are kind of maybe unsure what to do? Sure. Can you offer any type of tips or things? Absolutely. There's a bunch of things. First thing is start following CMMC. There's tons of information, content, seminars being talked about. Get familiar with it. Get comfortable with it. There's a couple things you can do internally. First is obviously look at your contracts. Look at the renewal dates coming up for them. They will start to give you an indication as when you need to be ready. Take a look at your systems and your data and the government data you hold and start to understand if you're holding government data as part of the performance of your contracts, then you're probably most likely holding CUI at some level. That will be a level three requirement from a CMMC standpoint. The next part is then start looking at your cybersecurity posture. What do you have in place? Have you done any work around this 800-171, around ISO, CMMI, how prepared are you just from those basic standards? And that will help you get an understanding of just where you are right now. Got it. Now, is this subject to anybody's doing work, whether you're a prime or a subcontractor, subject to this compliance? Absolutely. Regardless of where you are in the supply chain, whether you are a prime or you're seventh, eighth, tenth company down the supply chain, it will have an impact to you. Great example I heard last week is if even if you're making a bolt for a tank, you're just making a bolt, you're still going to be level one in CMMC. You're still going to have a minimum level of requirements. Now, obviously, if you're building the gun on that tank, then you probably have a higher level of requirement. You'll probably be at least level three. Right. So what happens if you don't go into compliance? This is going to be a go, no-go decision in terms of whether you will be able to continue to do business with the DOD. Our understanding is that at the time of award, you will need to be accredited at whatever level that contract says. Your partners, they're, they're still working out the details, but the teaming partners, the subcontractors will all have to be accredited. In order for you to get that business and be awarded it, you're going to need to have those accreditations in place. So is the DOD enforcing this and they're going to be auditing people? Is that kind of the... So yes and no. The DOD is, for lack of a better word, sponsoring or helping support put together a third-party organization and accreditation board. They felt that by having a third-party nonprofit managing the CMMC process, that that board could be much more flexible and nimble to meet any emerging challenges that come out. But there will be a third-party audit process. There will be some level of certification. There'll be a something that a contractor will need to put forth and say, yes, I am certified at this level. So what do you feel like, on that kind of note, the biggest hurdle contractors will face in kind of getting to compliance? Small, big, large, medium-sized? Culture. 
at the end of the day. It's going to be culture. It's is not a checklist that you put together. You hit a bunch of check boxes and you're good to go and you move on. The idea behind CMMC and the way they've built it is this requires a culture of having that awareness. We have a lot of contractors that, you know, like I kind of joke that they go through the five stages of grief and they need to get through the anger, the fighting, the acceptance and the, you know, the negotiation to get to the acceptance part and understand that this is the way things are going to be. Right. I know you talked about some of the implications for not meeting that. Is there any monetary implications or ramifications for not hitting that other than you lose the contract, right? I assume, right? There's a couple different pieces to this. Certainly there's the loss of business associated with not being certified and not being able to perform. But this also at the moment still runs parallel to the existing requirements around DFAR 7012 clause. That is not going away. CMMC is meant to build upon that. So from a contractual standpoint, false claims, those types of things, you still have a requirement as a DOD contractor to perform under DFAR 7012. A lot of compliance stuff, a lot of reading, a lot of research to do. Is there any type of recommendations you'd have for the audience of, I know you mentioned there's start tracking CMC, is there a website or is there something they can go on C3's page? Yeah, website. Is there a good place where they go? You have a repository of information. So the DoD has a good website that is basic information around what is going on with CMMC from a practical standpoint. The accreditation board has stood up a website. I believe it's cmmcab.org that will help you understand what's going on in the auditing and the performance right. process. Where we sit in this process is not necessarily as an assessor or an auditor, but as a technology provider. Mm-hmm. So in order to meet these requirements, you need to have a combination of policy as well as technology. You okay. will need to have something that puts forth multi-factor authentication or mobile device management or a compliant cloud platform. That's where we help our clients is to be able to come in and be able to make sure that they have all of the settings and configurations in place to match what they're doing from a policy standpoint. Can you provide any examples that you worked on today that, you know, we've retained somebody as a client here, someone who's came to us, say, hey, we're familiar with this CMC as a challenge. This is where we stepped in on a technology side. Like they didn't have these things. Multi-factor is something I think everybody knows. Maybe the personal life where he's encouraged from the brother. Just you got to make sure you get a text message before you log into your Amazon account. Right. So MFA is really one of those interesting ones. It's I'm still amazed sometimes that we get resistance from MFA from our clients and more importantly, our clients' users. Uh, We've got a couple of clients now that their users are basically in revolt on MFA and we just kind of scratch our head. This is a fact of life. This is like a password was 10 years ago. MFA is fundamental to anything from a cybersecurity standpoint. So that's a great example right there. Because I've heard from other technologists that even MFA can reduce the element of risk up to about 90% Mm -hmm. of infraction. Is your first line of defense to allow people to access your network and that there's no phishing scheme? MFA is absolutely probably the first thing you should think about doing for all the reasons you said. If, If you look at a lot of the major breaches, especially the ones a few years ago, a very large percent of those would have never happened, including probably some of the things that happened around the last cycle. If MFA was in place, they probably would not have had the impact that they had. Mm. So what else beyond MFA, things that maybe where you guys jump in from a technology standpoint, and there's some people out there that I know you guys provide cloud services for that, making that pivot. And there's some people that are still sitting on the sidelines that say, okay, still have on-prem stuff. How do you make that transition? And even though obviously for the federal government as a whole, there's a lot of talk with cloud. 
can you talk about that? Is that part of the process to become compliant as moving to the cloud? Is that part of it? So there's nothing in the requirements that requires you to go to the cloud. However, if you are going to try to maintain an on-prem system, you're still going to be responsible for that physical infrastructure and physical security of it. You're going to be responsible for keeping all of it up to date and protected from a hardware and an infrastructure standpoint. The cloud has allowed you to be able to take away a lot of that. If you're looking at an Amazon or a Microsoft Azure solution, you're going to be able to virtualize all of that infrastructure. You're still going to have to put security layers in place and put some controls in place, but what you're required to do is a lot less. When you look at a software as a service, like say an Office 365, you're kind of offloading a lot of those requirements even more into the Microsoft stack by Microsoft taking advantage of everything right up into the user-based controls. From understanding, basically, if you're maybe a smaller business, it reduces the amount of risk. It puts it on a larger outfit such as AWS or Microsoft Azure that has these security in place as part of their larger package. So you don't have to take, if you don't have the in-house team, if you're maybe the small business person out there that's got, hey, I got 20 FTEs out there. Three of them are on DoD contracts. And I haven't moved things to cloud for a variety of reasons that if they make that pivot, and can engage, you know, someone like C3 to help with the technology push, yeah. that they can utilize that and remove a lot of their risk built into that model. Absolutely. The economics, the tipping point before we even get into the compliance piece to go to the cloud is already shifted. You know, companies that are 500,000, several thousand people are all removing all of their infrastructure and going into the cloud for a reason. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. When we start to layer in the compliance requirements, that story gets even stronger. And then when we look at some of the versions of the cloud that are available within Office 365, there are dedicated versions for federal civilian agencies as well as defense contractors. Those take that level and and help satisfy some of those contractual requirements even more so. I'm curious, cloud adoption is, you know, it's been in the news for a while. It's been out there and I think it's starting to pick up steam. Are you sensing from the technology as a technology provider, what resistance are you seeing, if any, of people, why they don't want to move their data to the cloud? In terms of core communications and collaboration, which is really what Office 365 comes with, we're definitely seeing less and less resistance. We used to get calls that say, tell me why I should go to the cloud. Now we get calls that say, I'm moving to the cloud. Tell me how quickly I can get there. So when folks have proprietary applications or things that they've developed or written, those things, folks tend to be a little, little more um, you know, reluctant to move up into the cloud. But we're even starting to see that accelerate a lot as well. So I think it's that kind of early adoption curve mm-hmm. is starting to change where it's getting more mature. People feel more comfortable with this idea of moving in the cloud. We're very much in the mainstream on that end of it, no doubt about it. Is there anything else you want to share about compliance or things related to CMC? Because I have a couple interesting questions I want to hear about. I read your background and then also a couple more personal questions. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add of final notes of things that around CMMC and adoption of cloud that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think from a CMMC standpoint and an adoption standpoint, there are things you can do right now. It's important to understand that while they are standing up the auditing bodies and trying to figure out how these audits are going to work out, there is still a lot of things a contractor can do. The guidance is to start with NIST 800-171. That is a great foundation for CMMC to be able to do it. And don't wait. These things don't happen overnight. It can take three to six months to go from zero to a spot where you feel comfortable. You could pass an audit. We're already in March. These things go into effect in September and October. Time's ticking. So don't wait. Start looking at it. Make moves now. 
So that's the risk of the audit. It can be absolutely a, a now, challenge. That doesn't mean someone's going to show up on October 1st knocking on the door, but right. depending on when your contracts come up for renewal, though, that'll probably be the first chance that you'll see a CMMC. New business certainly starting in October. They're going to start rolling that out. It's coming. And it's definitely going to be there. We're talking about technology or technologists. I have to ask a lot of our guests if they have a favorite app or technology they like to use in their personal lives and business lives that you're embracing. You know what? I don't I don't necessarily have a favorite app other than the, the standard social media ones. I'm a little bit of a news junkie, so I'm taking news from all the various sources that I can and trying to collect everything and understand what's going on in the world. The standard social media is of Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, that type of stuff is, is really my go-to. Have you used Flipboard yet? I used it a while ago, and I kind of fell away from it. I should probably revisit that. Flipboard, I use it a lot. It's a great aggregator yep. of all the content mm-hmm. contingent upon what subject you like. Yep. So it pulls it all again. Of course, you have different, some are firewalled out, but yep. you might want to. I'll, I'll go back and revisit it. I, used, I was probably an early adopter of Flipboard, and I've kind of drifted away with the Apple News app. And I should probably Apple News is the, is definitely increasing. I'm seeing myself on that. I've tried, tested it out a couple. So I think it's like technology is everything's always evolving new things. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So in terms of travel or anything, do you have a favorite city or place you like to go? Yeah, pretty much if there's a beach involved, I'm probably interested in it. I grew up in South Jersey at the shore, and so I, I'm always attracted to the beach. And whenever I get a chance, if I get some free time, I'm usually looking to be near a beach. What do you think all these Jersey Mikes showing up here in the Northern Virginia area? Oh, I'll let that pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the real thing. It's not quite the White House from Atlantic City, or, but that's okay. It's, you know, They're it's trying. Good. They're trying. They're they trying. are, definitely. You know, I also had another question you're talking about, uh, quotes. I like quotes. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? Probably one of my favorite quotes is, if we, if we weren't all crazy, we'd go insane. A little, yeah. little Buffett there. It kind of somewhat grounds me a little bit because these are crazy times. Being an owner of a small business that's trying to grow and accelerate, there's there's always something that's a little crazy going on. And it just kind of helps grounds me and puts me back in that little bit of a mood and attitude. It's a little more laid back and relaxed. Yeah, definitely. It's been great to have you on the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So in terms of CMC and if people want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more, where can they go to reach out to C3? Best spot is our website. C3isit.com is the best place to start. We've got some good information there. It's a great way to contact us and you know, happy to talk to anyone about the program, about what's happening with it, and then how they can get best uh, accommodated for it. And you deal with large companies, mid-size, small companies. It doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter at all. Well, excellent, Bill. Thanks so much. Bill, founder and president of C3 Integrated Solutions. Thanks for coming to the program. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on Executive Perspective, Behind the Business. Visit our website at www.washingtonexec.com for more content and episodes.